Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, a massive development plan for the country's closest port to Europe. 30 million euro is to be spent on improving Rosslare Europort. Rosslare is the closest port to Europe and to the UK. It is the gateway port. It has huge potential. Uh, obviously, Dublin is the primarily dominant port for roll-on, roll-off traffic. But I mean, with the congestion in Dublin port, there's a great opportunity to shift traffic from Dublin to Rosslare. And a mystery. Where have these birds disappeared to? Last year the islands hosted a total of 2,814 breeding pairs of this remarkable and beautiful seabird, which is the longest distance migrant in the world. This year, however, the colony has completely been abandoned. The birds have vanished and nobody knows where they've gone. This island nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme, coming to you from Community Radio Yall, CRY 104FM on the East Cork coastline, and bringing together the maritime community, an island people bonded by the sea around us, part of the wonderful maritime world. You can contact the programme by email to thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com. And by phone or text to 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. Justin Marr and myself will be bringing you on a maritime cruise for the next half hour around this island nation, in which we'll hear about the five generations of an Ackill Island family who've lived by and from the sea. We'll hear about disappearing birds and, rather than going abroad on your holidays, why not explore the Irish coast, where we start the programme on the Wexford coastline. Rosslare Europort is to get a massive overhaul. The port authority there is Iron Road Éireann, which has announced a five-year plan to spend €30 million Euros to maximise its future growth, supporting regional and national development, with, it says, significant new facilities and infrastructure to develop the port to its full potential as Ireland's gateway port to the UK and Europe. That's a strong claim, which the Port General Manager Glenn Carr told me about from his office in Rosslare. Rosslare is the closest port to Europe and to the UK. It is the gateway port. It has huge potential. Uh, obviously, Dublin is the primarily dominant port for roll-on, roll-off traffic. But, I mean, with the congestion in Dublin and in Dublin port, there's a great opportunity to shift uh, traffic from Dublin to Rosslare. With the um, Brexit and what's happening with Brexit, there's certainly a greater demand we're seeing for direct sailings to Europe. And there's no port where you can get to mainland Europe quicker, which is obviously very good for the shipping lines, but also for the hauliers who want more services out of the country directly to mainland Europe. Uh, and as I say, geographically, we're the best position for us to maximise on that potential. £30 million is a lot of money, and it's going to be a five-year uh, development, so it's a very big one to be funding. It'll, it'll certainly change remarkably the whole appearance of Rosslare, won't it? Yeah, the, look, there's a totally new configuration of the port as part of the master plan. There's three other big developments going on in the port as well, and... Um, 
we have obviously the new link road, the N25, and that's really going to be uh, the, the road we're connecting with the master plan. So the new entrance of the port will link directly with the new uh, access road, and hopefully then that road will continue all the way up to Belfast. We're also seeing significant Brexit facilities being put into the port. And then recently we also had a lot of land, um, a Dutch company called Exalis, have secured land just outside of the port. And that's, that's targeting the offshore wind energy market of the future. And again, with our master plan, um, the Link Road, uh, those facilities uh, are supposed to facilitate as well opportunities in other markets for us. There is a much bigger investment required to fully meet the offshore wind market. We believe Rosslare again is the best positioned port in the country for that development because so much of the offshore will be on the southeast coast. Also, we have the land available, we have capacity in the port, and with, with further investment after this initial master plan, we believe that the Republic of Ireland can have a fully sufficient uh, offshore wind energy hub to service the needs of, of that market, which is going to be substantial and over the next 20 and 30 years. Big changes ahead indeed for Rosslare. One thing people will undoubtedly want me to ask is while the future is obviously with roll on, roll off and car traffic, the railway connection still to Rosslare, will that still be running into the new port? Oh, it will, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very much there today. It services route, uh, passenger services to Dublin. I mean, we don't have a rail connection to Waterford. Uh, so from a passenger perspective, the rail will very much be remaining. I mean, there would be additional, quite sizable investment needed to upgrade the, the rail for freight into the future. Uh, but look, a lot of the funding coming from Europe is very much focused on rail freight and connection into multi-modal connections, particularly with ports. We are looking to extend a BERT to be one of the largest in the country because uh, we've, we've conducted an analysis of the future trends in shipping and what we know are, is, is that roll-on, roll-off ships are getting longer and wider so we want to be in a position to service those ships as well over the next 5, 10, 50, 15, 20 years so, so significant investment also on a longer BERT with an additional double link span. Glencar General Manager at Rosslare Europort and changing times on the County Wexford coastline. Further south, at Bellevue, Watford's port terminal, BG Freightline, in partnership with Maersk, is starting a new weekly service on the Watford-Rotterdam route. This is to be a deep-sea feeder for exporters and importers for goods going globally through Europe's largest seaport, which is Rotterdam. Waterford Port Management say the new service is being introduced in response to the needs of some of the region's largest industries. Keeping an eye on the coastline is Simon Barrow, the chief executive of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, who's encouraged by the widening public interest in nature. As people are released from pandemic lockdown travel restrictions, rather than travelling abroad, he suggests there's nowhere better to explore than the Irish coastline. Due to the travel restrictions associated with COVID-19 and the more time people had on their hands, there has been a big increase in interest in biological recording. That is formally recording the wildlife in your area, typically your garden or immediate neighbourhood in these COVID times. Formal recording requires a minimum information to ensure a record is useful. These include the date and location and your name, as well as what you think it was. It's not essential to know what a species is, 
but if you provide enough information on what you saw, then these records can be identified or, in many cases, misidentification can also be identified. With top quality cameras on smartphones, it's never been more easy to photograph or film what you have found. The National Biodiversity Data Centre has seen a huge increase in the number of records submitted to their online portal during COVID restrictions. Many people are reporting a new awareness of nature from spending more time at home, outside in the gorgeous weather we had in April and May, and just rushing around less. These are really positive outcomes of these unprecedented times. The Irish Whale and Dolphin Group actually saw a decline in records reported then in the first half of this year, especially sighting records. Obviously, to record whales and dolphins, you had to be living near the sea. Recreational boats were restricted from taking to the water. No commercial marine wildlife tours were available, and people couldn't travel to the coast even from a few kilometres away. Now, this has changed as the government lifts travel restrictions and people are planning to holiday in Ireland. OK, we still need to social distance and take responsible personal measures. But where better to explore than a coast near you? Sit on a headland, take some time to watch out to sea, invest in a good pair of binoculars or a spotting scope and you will be amazed what you see. Please send these records to the Irish Royal and Dolphin Group even if you carry out a watch in good sea conditions, but see nothing, this is really useful information. If we are to conserve our biodiversity, develop our marine tourism to share the wonders of Irish marine wildlife, identify important habitats or times of the year for whales and dolphins, then we need records of what occurs, where and when. We might look back at 2020 as a watershed year where we discovered a new awareness of the fragile world around us, our place in it, and of those with which we share. This is Dr Simon Barrow of the Irishwell and Dolphin Group for This Island Nation. Five generations of O'Malley's have made a living from the sea on Ackle Island and County Mayo. It's a proud history which is now being carried on by Hugh O'Malley, owner of Ackle Oysters, producing Irish rock oysters for the domestic and international market. He's been telling me how he switched from a more comfortable job, as he puts it, in technology at the Financial Services Centre in Dublin to the hardy challenge of turning oyster bags on trestles in tough weather. I am like every other Ackle person. Uh, we see ourselves as being from Ackle, even though we might have been born in England or we might have been educated in England or we've worked all the way around the world. Um, and uh, I grew up in a fishing community. Um, Dad was fishing for a time as I was growing up. And um, when I was doing my degree, I looked at what could be done in Ackle. And one of the things that I looked at was an indigenous um industry and aquaculture to me was the future um, and I talked about it for a very very long time um, and eventually I had to do something and I went down to Castletown Bear with BIM and I spent three months and realised that oyster farming was far better option than cod farming and uh, I applied for my licence um, and I got my licence and I started farming and it was Oh, it was the bones of 17 years between uh, deciding I was going to do it and putting the first trestle out. Uh, and I've been seven years doing it now. It's, um, it was a project 
that I thought was a good idea and it was always supposed to be a sideline uh, and it has turned into very much everything I do, everything my family does, uh, it bounds everything about us uh, and it's magnificent, it's brilliant, it's fantastic. There must have been some difficulties along the way though Hugh because um Aquaculture, fish farming is a—it's a challenging, challenging job. Oh, it's definitely a challenging job. And when you leave a nice air-conditioned office in the IFSC and somebody paying you every day of the week, um, and um, there's no four o'clock starts, and you're not stood in oilskins in a storm trying to tie bags back onto a trestle, uh, you do question every now and then why you went and made uh, the leap. Um, but it's it's very fulfilling. I mean, I'm down at um, at home in Ackle. Uh, I'm around uh, my neighbours. I'm around my family. Uh, my uh, dad still uh, works in the business. Um, I don't think he'd be happy to say how old he is, but he's still very much working in the business uh, with with us. Um, it, it, you're you're part of the community. It's it gives far more back. Um, than any of the challenges that are, are put, put in front of us. It's on the edge, though, at times, isn't it, oyster farming? You know, you've got to be very careful. Um, problem could wipe a whole business out. Yes, uh, and um, I thought I had um, done everything that needed to be done. I went to university, I got my degrees, I got my master's, I researched it. And within six weeks of starting, I realized there was one thing I knew, and that was nothing. Um, and yeah, you, it, it has stretched, it has challenged, but it's, I can't keep coming back to it. It's, it's very, very uh, fulfilling. Very lucky in the community that I work in insofar as there are uh, a lot of other farmers that have helped me and put their shoulder against me when I've wobbled. Um, we, yeah, we've, we've had uh, challenges. There's, um, there's environmental challenges. There are business um, challenges. There's logistics. We are on the, uh, on the edge of Europe and um, we have to work very, very hard for what we've got. We're exceptionally lucky in so far as the oysters that we produce because of the conditions, because of the latitudes that we, uh, that we sit on here in Ireland, um, that we produce some of the finest oysters. And I can't go, I say it often enough that we as a country um, work very, very well together in, the, in this industry um, and we produce some fabulous um, oysters. And you've been urging now that in the lockdown end uh, the COVID-19 post-Ireland that restaurateurs and hotels the, the catering industry should be sourcing Irish food in order to uh, give, give an impulse I suppose a help to the industry Yeah and us to give a help to, the, um, to their industry we have got some of the finest seafood being landed around the coast of Ireland I'll only talk about the oysters because that's all I really know um, well but our oysters that are being produced are part of the, the seafood menu um, and they're sold throughout the world and it's a great opportunity for us to get uh, our products in front of uh, our neighbours, our friends um, to get it onto the menus um, it, the COVID-19 
um, challenge that has been put in front of us has given us all an opportunity um, to look local and to be able to offer our produce. Um, we have been supported by uh, the fishmongers and by the community in general with their online sales um, throughout the last four months. And now that the, um, the restaurants and the public houses are beginning to open up again, it's another opportunity for us to give um, our uh, seafood a good run, a good run out there. And it has suffered, obviously, because of marketing difficulties. So taking this message aboard publicly is very important. you think it's understood that aquaculture is so important in the public mind, Hugh? It's really important that we get it out there in front of uh, people because the sustainability of aquaculture, um, the... um, oyster industry, uh, the sustainability of small communities uh, along the edge uh, of our coastline. Uh, This is a uh, 52-week-a-year job. There's uh, employment throughout uh, Ireland um, being kept in these communities through aquaculture. The um, husbandry of the land, the husbandry of the um, oysters, it is a fantastic opportunity for Ireland, um, the the aquaculture uh, industry in general. And the, the story just needs to be told and needs to be told as positively as it is because we've got a fantastically positive story. The product we're producing is uh, amazing. It is sustainable and it is all done uh, on our doorstep. Hugh O'Malley, fifth generation of the O'Malley family with a proud maritime and fishing tradition on Achill Island. And referring to turning those oyster bags on trestles being a tough job, I know, having done it in the early hours of a morning in Clue Bay. Now Justin takes a look at marine news on home and overseas waters. The entire Killala unit of the Coast Guard in County Mayo has been stood down over disagreement involving personnel issues, which have also been reported in the past few weeks from Dunmore East in County Wardford and Crosshaven in County Cork. The Department of Transport, Tourism and Sport, which is responsible for the Coast Guard, said it would not be commenting on individual cases, but added that the Coast Guard is undergoing an extensive modernisation programme, bringing significant efficiencies to Coast Guard units and how they are managed. The Killala unit, one of the biggest in the country, covered a wide coastline area in North Mayo and was designated as a search, cliff rescue and boat unit with a rigid inflatable boat. The Department of Transport also said that with 950 volunteers, cases do arise where individuals or units fall out. The Coast Guard facilitates all volunteers to work through interpersonal differences that may arise in units. Attacks by pirates on shipping have increased in the past few weeks off Nigeria. Five Chinese crew members were kidnapped in the Gulf of Guinea by armed pirates who boarded the Kota Buddy, a Singapore-flagged general cargo ship. And nine Nigerian crew were kidnapped from a Norwegian oil production vessel, the Sengeberg, owned by BW Offshore Oslo. It was producing 50,000 barrels a day at the Okwari oil field. Irish Lights marked World AIDS to Navigation Day by its chief executive Yvonne Shields O'Connor, saying that maritime transport is critical to Ireland, accounting for more than 90% of trade. 
As an island nation, Ireland's dependence on open, safe maritime channels cannot be overstated, the CEO said. Irish Lights provides the lighthouses and navigation marks around the Irish coastline. It says that the COVID-19 pandemic has brought an increasing focus and appreciation of just how vital the role of lighthouses and essential maritime services are to maintaining the security of our supply chains and the commercial survival of our island. And finally, fishermen are known to be generally of the opinion that there's too much red tape about EU fisheries regulations. And their opinion has been backed by the chairman of the European Parliament Fisheries Committee. 40-year-old Pierre Carlskind is a French oceanographer and politician who was elected to the European Parliament for the first time last year. He says that there isn't a sector that has to face as many regulations as fishermen do. Professionals almost need a PhD to become a fisherman. There's a need to reduce red tape and to make the European maritime and fisheries regulations simpler. Fishermen are likely to agree with that opinion. of seabirds has vanished and nobody knows where they've gone. Reporting about this from the headquarters of Birdwatch Ireland at Kilcoolan County Wicklow is Niall Hatch with the details of what is an amazing story. During the summer months a lot of Birdwatch Ireland's time and energy goes into its turn conservation work which we've discussed several times in the past. This year, despite some initial delays due to the COVID-19 restrictions and some problems with wet weather, I'm glad to report that Ireland's turn colonies seem to be faring well. The same cannot be said on the other side of the Irish Sea, unfortunately. The Skerries, a group of islets off the coast of the Welsh island of Anglesey, and not to be confused with the North County Dublin town of the same name, are usually home to the UK's largest nesting colony of Arctic terns. Last year, the islands hosted a total of 2,814 breeding pairs of this remarkable and beautiful seabird, which is the longest distance migrant in the world. This year, however, the colony has completely been abandoned. The birds have vanished, and nobody knows where they have gone. The causes of this disaster are unknown. Arctic terns nest in many other locations in Europe, including here in Ireland, but no significant population increases have so far been recorded on any of these this summer. Birdwatch Ireland has noted an unexpected increase in Arctic tern numbers at the breeding colony at Wardens on Dawkey Island in South County Dublin, but that would still only account for a tiny fraction of the missing Welsh birds. Many of the missing terns had previously been fitted with special orange leg tags, each bearing a unique black alphanumeric code. If any tagged terns are spotted, alive or dead, Birdwatch Ireland would be most grateful to receive any information and, if possible, details of the codes themselves. Terns are long-distance travellers and do occasionally turn up in unexpected locations. A case in point involves the completely unprecedented recent appearance of a bird called a cayenne tern at Our Lady's Island Lake in County Wexford. This yellow-billed, black-crested, white-bodied seabird is supposed currently to be nesting somewhere along the Caribbean coast of South America. This is the first time this species has been seen anywhere in Europe and it has already generated a lot of international interest from birdwatchers. The COVID-19 restrictions have curtailed the travel plans of most, however, so there are a lot of fingers currently being crossed that the cayenne tern will stick around. There's a good chance that it might. It is a female bird and is paired up with a male sandwich tern, and it currently appears to be sitting on a clutch of eggs. It will be interesting to see if they hatch, and, if so, what the hybrid chicks look like. Although it is first for Europe, the cayenne tern isn't even the most unexpected seabird visitor to Irish shores in recent weeks. 
On the 22nd of June, a local birdwatcher called Arlo Jakes was walking at Tremor Bay, County Waterford, in poor weather conditions when he came upon a medium-sized and very bedraggled and dirt-covered bird on the beach. Assuming it to be a stricken Manx shearwater, a common breeding species in Irish waters, he and another local birdwatcher, Adrian Allen, managed to rescue it and was taken to a wildlife rehabilitation facility. The bird received the best possible care, but unfortunately it was too emaciated to survive and it died shortly afterwards. Once the bird had been cleaned and its plumage had become visible, it had become clear that it wasn't a Manx shearwater at all. Its dusky belly feathers suggested that it might instead be a Balearic shearwater, a critically endangered Mediterranean nesting species that is occasionally seen off the Irish coast. The wing feather measurements didn't fit for that species either, however. It transpired that what Arlo had actually found was a short-tailed shearwater, a species that breeds only along the coastline of southern and eastern Australia and Tasmania. At this time of year, the southern winter, the species is supposed to be in the North Pacific Ocean, somewhere from northern Japan to the Bering Strait. This is another first for Europe, and quite what this unfortunate seabird, about the size of a crow, was doing so far off course in entirely the wrong ocean is anyone's guess. It goes to show that seabirds, more than any other animal group, can travel astonishing distances and turn up in completely unexpected locations. Seabirds need your help. If you'd like to help to protect Ireland's seabirds and support efforts to conserve their populations, please become a member of Birdwatch Ireland, Ireland's largest and most active conservation charity. For full details, please visit www.birdwatchireland.ie. Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland. The new Minister for the Marine in the Coalition Government is 52-year-old Barry Cowan of Fianna Fáil, brother of former Taoiseach Brian Cowan, who has said that the fishing and maritime community shouldn't feel concerned because he's from a landlocked county, at Clara in County Offaly. He was responding to mixed reaction from the marine sector to his appointment. In his first week in office, the minister announced €3.4 million in new investment by 15 aquaculture enterprises. And in his first address to the European Commission, he said, Ireland, as an island nation, is committed to protecting the interests of its fishing industry, which is facing serious issues involving quota shares and access to UK waters. Perhaps give him time to settle into the job. Our programme description of Ireland as an island nation is getting a lot of mention these days, Tom. And our farewell sign-off was mentioned in the Doyle debate on the nomination of Michal Martin as Taoiseach. And that was by another TD from a landlocked county, Michael Lowry of Tipperary. Michal Martin has the credentials to be an excellent Taoiseach and leader of our country. I wish him well, and I know that he will lead in a spirit of consensus and collaboration. And in the words of your own fellow Corkman, Tom McSweeney, fair sailing. Perhaps we should have copyrighted both descriptions, Justin. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Maritime World with us. And Justin Marr was also in charge of sound supervision. And we both thank you for your company. This Island Nation is also broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland. In Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. On Dundalk FM. Athlone Community Radio, in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM, Radio Corkoboshkeen in Clare, Kilkenny City Radio, West Limerick 102 FM, in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Belmullet, Cork City Radio, West Cork FM and Community Radio Bear Island, on Apple Podcasts and podcasts on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and themarinetimes.ie. 
Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. The programme email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com. Phone or text 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. And your comments and contributions are always most welcome. Until our next programme, from Justin Marr and from me, Tom McSweeney, our usual wish of fair sailing. Fair sailing.